0: welcome back to the green mountain boys podcast i'm joined by my co-host as always matt we had nice. jack Dropa, uh from weird window brewing in south burlington vermont um super great interview i mean i mean matt i think i think jack might have been uh a little out of our league in terms of our brewing knowledge but um <laughs> he certainly helped uh Bring some light to some of that, uh, some of that industry for us.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, in the spirit of the Olympics, I'd give that podcast a gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> no, but on a more serious note, uh, we really enjoyed having Jack, and and I agree. I think uh, you know, learning about not only his path but also uh, the brewing industry in general. Wow, was an eye-opening experience. Yeah, it's kind of it's
0: kind of neat to see um, and hear about how it's expanded and 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 what's kind of going on um in kind of a niche community that has a little bit of notoriety um throughout the northeast just just being um such a popular thing i i feel like out of any state matt would you say vermont's got one of like the most prevalent like uh
1: craft brewing scenes yeah, I think it's vibrant. I mean, I think it's it's telling that you can you know pick up a map that uh, you know gives you a, a lay of the land in terms of where the breweries are and, and everything and, and kind of make your way through the state. And uh, Jack certainly made a good case for stopping by Weird Window. Absolutely. It's definitely on my itinerary next time I head up.
0: Um, but enough hearing about us babble on about it. Let's uh, turn it over to Jack and uh, hear what he has to say.
1: Sounds good. Today on the
0: Green Mountain Boys, we are joined by Jack Dropa of Weird Window Brewing in South Burlington, Vermont. Jack, do you want to give a quick intro to who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, so uh, my name's Jack. Uh, I, uh, With my wife, we uh, own Weird Window Brewing in, in South Burlington. Uh, my I do all the brewing and production kind of side of things. And my wife, Emily, does the tap room, merchandise, special events, social media. So she does all the hard stuff. I just get to brew beer.
0: So. <laughs> nice. De- definitely the more interesting side of the equation. That's for sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, At least just out- outside looking in anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, you want to talk a little bit about um, what you're to in Vermont, how you ended up there?
2: Yeah so um I guess let's see we moved here moved here 2015 or so um I, I grew up in Maryland um went to prep school in Jersey and then from Jersey went to uh college in upstate New York uh, both my wife and I went to uh, St. Lawrence in upstate New York all all the way basically go to Canada and turn around but uh, <laughs> So uh, I was up there for four years and uh, after after we graduated, you know, I didn't really know what, what I wanted to do. I had a history major and education minor and found out that, you know, I didn't really necessarily want to be teaching after taking education classes for four years, but that's a different story. Um, So, you know, we, we moved, didn't really know what we wanted to do and I, we moved out to Utah. And so I was a ski patroller out in Utah for, uh, for four seasons, I think. Three or four seasons um and it was a little far from emily's emily's family she uh, she grew up in ogdensburg new york you know 30 minutes outside of canton where st lawrence was so a little far for her to you know try to get back and see her family a lot so she ended up finding a job in burlington you know we didn't really want to be back in ogdensburg in the north country um but wanted to be close enough where you know we could go visit for for a weekend or they could come visit us so Emily kind of settled on, on a job in Vermont and uh, then I, I followed at the end of the ski season and now we're now we're in Burlington so awesome cool
1: yeah where were you out west I, I think I read Snowbird on the uh, on the website yeah yep. awesome Yep. and do you make it back
2: uh I haven't made it back yet but um we keep saying oh we're gonna go this year and then you know everything you know kind of gets work or something gets in the way and haven't made it back but I mean it was an awesome experience and I I loved it and I miss it but
0: (laughs) you know so obviously you moved back here and um had a couple jobs and then and then ended up owning a brewery you want to you want to take us through that that part of your life
2: yeah yeah so um when I moved well I guess I'll go back go back to college in St. Lawrence so when and I Got to St. Lawrence. I made friends with some of the uh, seniors that were living down in the townhouses, which was kind of right near the freshman dorm I was in. And they were all homebrew, you know, stovetop, you know, liquid malt extract, stuff like that. And got got super into it. And I brewed with them a bunch. And I ended up brewing, after, even after they graduated, you know, finding somebody's stove I could make some beer on for four years. And then ended up living off campus my senior year. And Emily got me a homebrew uh that i brewed there and then brewed home brewed while i was in utah and then when i came back here i i knew i didn't want to uh, to do the ski patrol thing back east because it's so so different and i didn't didn't want to do it um so i was looking for for brewing jobs uh, and before i before i came to vermont i did went out to uh colorado or california for a little bit and interned with a buddy of mine who was running a brewery out there. And he was actually the one that taught me how to brew in college. And then he was running a brewery out there. So then he showed me production brewing, which is pretty cool. Um, so I, I came, came to Vermont and was looking for brewing jobs. And there weren't really any production brewing jobs that I could find to, you know hire. Um, so I got a job on the Otter Creek packaging line. So I started off on the packaging line at Otter Creek and, you know, they said, you know, the, you try to hire from within, you know, it might be six months, might be a year, but if something opens up in the cellar, then, you know, you can got to move up that way. Um, so I was on the packaging line for two or three months and then something opened up in the cellars. And so I started move from the packaging line to the cellars at Otter. I was in the cellars for a year and a half, two years. And I moved up to the brew deck. Uh, I was brewing at otter for a year and a half maybe uh last nine months is like the lead brewer down there and then left otter i went to frost i was uh one of the brewers at frost for about a year and then the opportunity to uh to take over the space that we have now kind of just fell into our lap and we we jumped on it you know we kind of kind of joke now that we always thought about owning a brewery and it was kind of at that time in the three to five year plan not the three to five month plan and then it was all of a sudden in the three to five month plan and and, you know we made it happen and here we are that's awesome
1: now how does that like happen is that a result of someone just sort of winding it down and being like you know what like they were moving on or you know they were in some sort of situation or
2: well it's so it's kind of a kind of a funny story um the brewery. So the space that we're in ha- held a brewery previously, um, and they were, they're a Canadian brewery, and they're going back to Canada. Um, that the, their venture into Vermont didn't really work out, and it wasn't wasn't really advertised. Um, but I, I blew my knee out skiing at Stowe in early January, and so I took took a little bit for the MRI and the X rays. So because we didn't know what was wrong. And I wasn't really supposed to walk on it. I couldn't go into work and brew. So, uh, and I was on the way to a doctor's appointment and one of the guys in our neighborhood is associated with another brewery here in Vermont and we're friends. And as I was going to the doctor, I saw him and waved and we started talking. He told me that this brewery was potentially for sale kind of on, on the down low and looked into it and here we are so you know it's looking back it's not not the worst thing I blew my knee out because otherwise <laughs> i had have no idea right <laughs> and as now, someone who's
1: gotten their knee blown out at the hands of a canadian i'm glad to see that those guys went back over the border <laughs> 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 so
0: with uh with with that i'm just kind of curious how, how it works but like was everything just kind of in place and you you pretty much just moved in and and all your equipments there or or what's the
2: situation with that um so no the the short <laughs> answer is no uh, and so for our they, listeners
1: they, he was closing his eyes shaking his head like nope not in the they, slightest. <laughs> Yeah. They
2: they, they 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 had they had a brewery and I'll put air quotes around brewery it, it made beer but they didn't really do in my opinion what they should have in terms of having good uh, glycol distribution, steam distribution, floor drains, stuff like that. So it was basically what we got is I, I did buy the the tanks and some of and their glycol and their boiler and stuff like that, and then we ended up basically just gutting ninety percent of the brewery and because it either wasn't working correctly, it wasn't installed correctly, um, stuff like that. The tanks were fine, but they were just, they were a little bigger than what I, I wanted to start with. So I sold, sold those to another brewery actually in Canada, but a different brewery. Um, and then basically we, we started, started over, basically. We kept the tap room, um, but other than that, we, you know, cut all of the floor in the production area, well 90% of the floor in the production area down to the dirt and put in proper drainage, put in floor drains, sloped the floors properly, sealed the floors properly. So we took over the space in June of 2019. Uh, I did a lot of the demo initial demo work myself, you know taking out their cooler and breaking down the brew house and tanks. And getting the tanks moved out we started construction i think in august or september of 2019 and then finished well we were about a week away from total completion of cons- of the construction phase on march 15th of 2020 when they shut everything down sure Great. so then instead of instead of opening you know we thought you know we could open in april was the was the original plan uh, ended up not opening until July of 2020 because uh, it you no know, took instead of having the electricians and the plumbers and the finished carpenters and painters and everybody in there all at once we scaled scaled crews down mm-hmm. to be able to you know we had one electrician in there and then it was like a couple plumbers in there instead of having everybody once so one two weeks away from construction became much much longer. So we opened open in July of 2020 and then with covid and restrictions and kind of just how things were going we ended up closing in November of 2020 and trying to do uh you know to go sales growlers cans only we originally had planned to uh, not not do any canning and do taproom only for you know 12 to 14 months from when we mm-hmm. opened but with being closed and the only revenue stream is trying to get beer out the door. People aren't coming into the brewery. We pivoted to that and started canning in January of 2021 and put put a bunch of, tried to put a bunch of beers out and try to get some cans out there into the market for people to buy and as well as doing you know to go sales out of the brewery. And then we reopened the tap room in May of 2021 and knock on wood, we're still open. So
0: <laughs> yeah that's awesome um and i kind of i'm i know i'm backtracking here a little bit to something you said a bit ago but um when you were on your way up through the process essentially at otter um you started on the canning line is that and then worked your way up from there is that a pretty typical path for somebody that like is just getting started at a brewery would you would you start on the can line and, and work your way up that
2: way so, I, I mean, it's semantics, but it, when I was at Otter, it was the bottling line. Um, we didn't have, Otter didn't start canning beers, like really canning beers until right about when I left, uh, when I was on the brew deck. But, I mean, I, I, I think that's typical, um, you know, a lot of larger breweries or larger breweries, you know, you have a production staff and you have a packaging staff you know, and then, so you, if you've on the packing staff and you move to the production staff, but a, a, a smaller brewery, you know, if somebody comes in, you might be brewing one day, you might be canning the next. So yeah. trying to get you know, it's any way to get your foot in the door is, you know, you're going to get experience doing kind of everything, especially at a smaller brewery. You know, like I said, you know, you could be cleaning kegs one day, you could be filling the kegs the next, you could be cleaning a tank the next day. So, you know, trying to get that that kind of evolution of your skills and brewing career is I think more typical in a smaller brewery whereas a larger brewery I think it is a little bit more typical of you know starting on the packaging line and then moving over to the sure. production side of things. Got it.
0: So and, and when you say um, you know one day you're you're brewing one day you're canning is that kind of what you your life is like these days?
2: Yeah, well, so my I do I'm the only person in the brewery in the production mm-hmm. side of things. I'm I'm pretty much a, a one-man show back there. So I I, I do, do everything. Um we do have uh there's a mobile canning company that services a lot of the smaller breweries in New England and around in Vermont. Um so they come in and we can you know, once a month or so. So they have their own canning line. They roll it off the back of a truck, cook up to the tanks, fill the cans and they leave. So it's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. It doesn't, you know, doesn't require the investment of the small breweries in a mass, in a canning line, but still allows them to be able to package beer in cans that way. So, but yeah, I, I mean, today I was, cleaning a tank, transferring, kegging, you know, just pretty much, pretty much everything and every day is different. So.
1: Cool. So on the Bruin side, it's like that. And then on the tap room side, do you guys, do you folks have like, um, you know, a set of employees on that side that, that work, or is that a pretty tight crew as well?
2: Yeah. So um, until May of this year, when we reopened, it was just Emily and I in mm-hmm. the tap room doing everything. So, you know, I was working, six to seven days a week, you know, get the beer done earlier in the week. And then we were open in the tap room Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. So trying to, you know, do that. Um, but you know, we we hired a couple of bartenders when we reopened in May. Right now we have three awesome bartenders that they are pretty much running the tap room now. Um because I have brewing stuff to do and Emily and I are expecting our first child here in a couple of weeks so
1: congrats it's, it's a
2: good thing that it's a good thing that they're pretty dialed on the tap room because we're about to be very very scarce around there for a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or for your
1: part maybe maybe you'll have an increased attendance trying to deal with right
0: your <laughs>
2: exactly
1: <laughs> um
0: so jack, jack do you want to tell us a little bit about the uh the name and, and where it came from
2: yeah, so um, our our logo is uh, a witch's window. Um, they're pretty, They're unique to Vermont. I you guys grew up in Vermont, so I'm sure you I'm sure you guys have seen them. They're like the the crooked forty five degree windows on some of these older farmhouses. Yeah. Um, uh, especially like if you're driving up to Stowe or Sugarbush, um, they're you know all over those kind of older farmhouses. And when my wife and I moved here. We we didn't know what they were called, and but they look funny because they're at a 45 degree angle. We just called them the weird windows. And then when we were looking for a name for the brewery, you know, we wanted something kind of connected to Vermont, but not Green Mountain Brewing Company, because I think mm-hmm. the coffee people might have had something to say about that. Right. <laughs> so we we were we were talking to a couple of our friends and our one buddy suggested which is witch's window brewing. We're like, what's a witch's window? And he's like, you know, the, the cro- we're like, Oh, the weird windows. So then, <laughs> so we went with weird window instead of witches window. Cause that way we're not pigeonholed into, you know, goblin and ghoul and haunted house themed brewery. Whereas sure. like we can play it up, play up a witch <laughs> thing in October, but the rest of the year, you know, we don't have to have witches brew IPA or goblin, <laughs> whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that that's funny. And it's also like, I, I like that it's a little bit more personal too, to you guys where, uh, there's a little bit of a story behind it, so
1: that that's cool. Yeah. Also, I just I got to beat Max with the punch on this one. I did not grow up in Vermont. I'm, <laughs> I'm simply a Vermont enthusiast. So oh, Flatlander is what my co-host calls me. But yeah, um, there you
2: go.
1: We're also anxiously awaiting our lawsuit from Green Mountain Coffee, but it is yet to show up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. No season desist yet. <laughs> Max, do you yeah, know the right. actual so that, story that, behind the uh, the it, there's is it is the the idea that the witch escapes or can't go in through the window i think it's it's so, one or the so, other right? so
2: the, the the wives tale the old wives tale is that the witch can't fly through on her broomstick because it's cocked. yep so oh. it protects your house from witches why she can't fly in any other window <laughs> i don't know um but they're they're also called coffin windows because the, uh, you know, same thing old, you know, if somebody dies on the second floor, put them in a coffin. If it's snowing outside, you just push them outside, out the second window, that will be fine. <laughs> so a little, little bit more morbid of a, of a name for the window, but uh, you no, know, I, from, from what I understand, it's more, more just a construction thing. Um, you usually see them more on, extensions of these old farmhouses and they're usually the top top of the stair staircase yeah. so that's a load bearing wall that's at the end of the end of the extension back in the day when all we had well all they had were hand tools it's much easier to put a two a double hung window and slap it in between right. the already existing roof struts rather than try to frame out a window on a load bearing wall yeah
0: sure sure
2: (laughs) from what i understand that's actually why they're just cockeyed like that because just much easier to throw them in between the the roof supports and call it a day
0: right yeah absolutely totally makes sense (laughs) (laughs) um so kind of kind of curious about this only because i've seen a lot about it on on instagram and stuff like that but with the vermont brewers association Um, what's that kind of been like uh, entering into that community? um, And and what's your experience been like?
2: I mean, it's, it's been awesome. Um, You know, from from being in the industry for a while, you know, I I know a lot of the other brewers, all the other brewery owners. And, you know, everybody in Vermont, it's good if we all succeed. And it's good if we all have good beer, because that way, you know, more people want to come to Vermont and try our beer. So the, I mean, the The brewing community is, is awesome. You know, I have within a couple miles of our brewery, there's three or four other awesome breweries, you know, that we can, people ask where they want to go and we will always tell them, you know, check out this, have you been here, check out this place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mean, just today I had one of my, one of my buddies text me and asked if I had some ingredients because he was short, his order didn't come in. And so he comes over, I give him what he needs. And then when his order comes, he just replaces it, you know? So you know, trying to swap grain or yeast or hops back and forth, you know, everybody kind of wants, wants to help everybody else. So, yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's
0: really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I only ask cause I, and you kind of started to head in that direction. I'm not sure if you, you've seen anything on it, but um, I was reading somewhere that um, they're projecting that um, like the income that Vermont makes through um, the beer industry is going to out, produce the ski industry soon or something like that we heard anything like that oh, wow. maybe i'm
2: maybe i'm i, fibbing. I don't <laughs> i mean i i haven't heard that but if it keeps not snowing like this I, <laughs> it sounds about right <laughs> yeah
0: well and it's you can parlay the beer thing into uh into anything whereas uh skiing yeah you're kind of you're kind of stuck there with the snow <laughs> yeah.
2: right yeah
0: um so kind of curious and and totally n- new to this never really uh ventured into brewing at all but what's it like you know like creating a, a recipe I'm not sure if that's the right word but um and and like also I guess second question being um how do you like repeat that and how do you how do you keep consistency
2: from one batch to another so um you know I mean how create how to create a recipe. Um, you know, like I said, I've been, you know, homebrewing for since 2007 um, and then professionally brewing now for five years. So I have a, especially from my homebrewing days, you know, a pretty good binder of, of recipes that, you know, I've either done once and didn't like or done a couple of times and made some changes too. So when you know I want to scale that up to to a production system, it's you know taking looking at the grains that were in there and scaling scaling that up, and not everything is totally linear when when you're brewing like that. Um, so if it's you know if it's something I've brewed before, I have an idea of you know just take taking an old recipe and adapting it to the grains I have, or you know maybe changing. A, the hops or something like that and if it's, it's a brand new recipe for a beer that I brew you know I, I kind of start with thinking about what first off what what is it is it is it an IPA is it a brown ale is it a stout is it a Belgian you know and then thinking about like what malts work well in that and what I want what I want to achieve from the malts and then kind of playing around with you know figuring out the the ratio and what what flavors i want to bring out of the malt and then what flavors i want to bring out of the hops and then what different yeast strain i want to use like some yeast strains are give different esters they're going to accentuate different things in the beer so it's kind of doing all those together and i have spreadsheets on spreadsheets of you know calculations and stuff like that and then ev- everything gets written down and everything gets saved and so then when there's a finished product, I can go back and look at it and say and tweak it a little, you know, tweak the recipe a little bit, and see what happens the next time. And then I have you know revision one and revision two, and then if I do it again, that's revision three. So I always have something to go back to and know what I changed, of just rewriting over the same thing every time. And then you have no idea where where you did or what what you did wrong or what you did right and how to repeat it. But
1: is, is when you like keep track of you know, I, I can understand, I guess, keeping track of the recipes but when you keep in track of almost like your analysis of the beer, you know, like, um, it, I, I, how do you, how do you do that? Cause obviously it's, it's probably super subjective, but you know, is there like a set, you know, set of criteria that you write down, like, you know, sour, I, I don't even know, but you know, like a, a set number of things, or is it just you like writing sort of all these crazy descriptions that you'll end up reading in a beer review? Is that sort of how you, you approach it?
2: So there definitely are like tasting sheets for like beer competitions where it's like rate like maltiness and aroma. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't use those really. Um, you know, I have I have t- tasting notes that I have of the beers like and where, where I want and write down what I think of the beer and everything. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, tasting beer just like with anything else is super subjective. Mm-hmm. Like I can have a beer and say you know i think i taste this and you can have the exact same beer and be like i don't taste any banana and that but i taste whatever else yeah so it is super subjective and you know i'm fortunate enough to have friends that will honestly tell me what they think of the beer rather than just be like oh no it's good yeah you know so but so having having multiple people try it and then you know kind of adapting it from there
1: sure and what's your physical you said spreadsheets and stuff but do you do you also keep like notebook i i know you said the binder piece early on but like notebooks or is it is it handwritten or how do you do you got like cards
2: so yeah um, it's uh basically like a printable i have a excel file with all these cells that some of it is auto filled with like the name of the beer and the fermentation temp and stuff like that and then there's you know i take gravities of the beer every day so that's like the degree Plato, which is how much the residual sugar in the beer, um, and then the pH and the temperature of the tank. So take that every day, and then that gets saved. And then you know you take like do with dissolved oxygen, because oxygen is the enemy of beer, basically. Because when if you ever get a beer that like tastes like cardboard or something like that, it's because it's oxidized. And so, you know, I have, you know, a cell for like the DO on the tran before I transfer it to to another tank and the DO after I transfer it to another tank. So that's all handwritten and that goes from my seller binder into an archive binder and then I have just papers everywhere. But, <laughs> the archive any good is creative shit. Yeah, <laughs> right, definitely, yeah.
0: Um so you talked a little bit about it but but what's your um What's your distribution look like? Where are you distributing to? Like what's kind of like the regions you're you're hitting?
2: So we're we're in only in Vermont right now. Um we uh, we distribute through Vermont Beer Shepherd. And you know, they they give it to whoever wants it, basically. You know, we're we're not we're in a couple uh like we're in the craft beer cellar in Waterbury, we're in the Bevy and Winooski um you know i think there's there's a couple down south um we used to try to keep track of it and have like a list on the website of places places like stores where you could find us or draft accounts and stuff like that and but we would we found out that it was you know kind of hard to keep track of because we would get a report from the distributor on a friday and then maybe we'd update it on monday Mm -hmm. but they're telling us who they sold it to from the previous friday to friday and then we're not updating it till monday so if somebody bought a, one case it was a, for example and it went to a store they might have sold out of all six four packs by the time the distributor even told us that the beer was there right yeah so you know so it was like and then even same thing with draft accounts you know like oh hey like these guys have have a keg of your well is it on is it on draft or did they buy it and they're waiting until something else kicked or did they put it on immediately when they got it and it's kicked and you can't find it now so we got rid of the list on the on the website of where you can find us but we're we are in in stores all all over vermont
0: cool well we'll have to uh maybe matt and i'll start running the uh boston to uh burlington express and distributing down here for you Right. Yeah, don't,
2: don't 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 tell me that. But. <laughs> or maybe we'll smuggle it across maybe. the border. The
1: uh one of the yeah. big distributors down as, here as in as Moss, long as you're I hear they're So Yeah.
2: As as yeah, long yeah. as you're just giving it away, I think that's fine. But if you buy it and then try to resell it, that's pretty illegal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll put just like the roses next to our craigslist ad and that I'll <laughs> <Yeah,
0: exactly. Good. laughs> Um, so what are you guys brewing now? What do you have on, on tap and, and what's in the works?
2: So right now on tap, we have just it off it out of my head. We have our American lager. Uh, we have a our 100% citra IPA. We have a double IPA. We have our brown ale. We have our Urca's gold, which is our stout. And then we have a coffee variant of the urcas gold and a vanilla variant of the urcas gold and i know i'm missing some other ones but um we we try to keep a pretty rotating draft list and try to keep things keep things fresh we have uh two a new double and a new single that we will be canning and then having on draft next weekend i believe um got a couple other beers coming up as well um but like i said you know with uh with having having a baby pretty soon after these these beers go out, it's gonna gonna be a minute before we have anything new. But you know, I've tried tried to get things stocked up pretty good so that we should uh, be okay here for for a couple weeks while uh while we get settled with the little one. But
0: yeah, there you go. And it's funny, I um just your email was was funny to me, like trying to figure out how to balance a newborn baby and a newborn uh, brewery uh it's gonna be a challenge so <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> from a from a dad of a four-year-old yeah. I, i've never opened a brewery but i could venture to guess that the newborn baby is going to be a little bit more cumbersome than the new- newborn brewery
2: oh i'm i'm quite sure <laughs> I, I, I think the lack of sleep is probably going to be just about equal but mm-hmm.
0: yeah <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Yeah. definitely yeah. <laughs> Jump, to jump back to the your beer types here, and I, I guess I would ask like your preference uh, eventually. But I had a triple IPA, I don't know, a few weeks back or something like that, and uh, I gotta be honest with you, my take was doubles fine. I thought the triple was a little much. <laughs> Is that yeah, unique I mean, to me, you or know, do you it, think people are going overboard?
2: Well, you know, it, it kind of just all depends on on how. How it's brewed, and you know what what like what was it that you didn't like about it? Was it was it that it was you, you could taste too much booze? Was it like too strong, or like was it like was it was like it was like
1: too strong and too almost too sweet in a way.
2: yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, you know beer beers. Beer is super subjective. Like I've I've had some I've had some triples that I really liked. I've had some mm-hmm. triples that I haven't liked. I've had some singles that I really liked and some singles that I haven't liked. But you know, with it's it is it is can be a little little more difficult in the you know getting those higher octane lighter beers yep. where you're gonna taste you're gonna taste that fusel alcohol. Whereas like if I give you a I give you a nine percent IPA or a ten percent IPA. And I give you a 14 percent barrel age imperial stout. Mm-hmm. The 14 percent imperial stouts definitely stronger, but you might taste the alcohol more in the 10 percent one just because of how, how IPAs and are, you know in terms of, yeah, how it's brewed or whatever, whereas like the barrel age, it's like, you know, it, there's, and but you're expecting those to be a little sweeter and a little like more viscous and, yeah. and have that barrel flavor to it but
1: interesting Well, speaking of you know children and i'm sure you love your children all the same but um what is what is your like favorite type of beer you know independent of sort of your beers but just what do you like
2: i mean that's that's such a hard question (laughs) um i i drink pretty much everything i you know there's definitely beers that i gravitate towards more um you know, typically when people ask me this question, my my answer is there are there are two beers that I will stand in line for or purposely go seek out, and they are KBS by Founders and BCBS by Goose Island. They are now owned by the big guys like mm-hmm. in that even those, so they're a little bit more readily available. Um, but when I was first kind of getting in into the those type of beers you know those were those were my two and like the ones like I said I won't stand in line for for much but those, those beers are tools that I definitely stood in line for and driven to three or four different stores in the same day to try to get three or four bottles because you only buy one at a time um cool. but
0: I was I think I was telling Matt about that. Um, I mean I, I think it's still like there's some allure to um like heady topper in in that yeah. just and mostly mostly from out of staters, I feel like like it's kind of worn off on the Vermonters. They're like, oh yeah, we can kind of get that whenever, wherever. And it's a little <laughs> and uh and so it's like still like this crazy thing now that I'm down in Boston, people talk about it, and it's like,
1: yeah. Fine, <laughs> got at the gas station. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but you know, Hetty, Hetty's awesome. I I really enjoy Hetty Topper, and it's you know they're part of the reason that the rest of us are here because they were you know like the Vermont brewery and like you know the first kind of like big like you said people standing in line for and coming from Boston, from New York, from wherever to follow the Alchemist truck around to yeah. go get like a case of Hedy to bring back to their friends. And so, you know, I, I love Hedy I, you know, I still drink it and mm-hmm. I enjoy it. And, but there's, there's also a lot of other breweries, but, you know, I think that, the, like I said, you know, they're the reason that all the, all of the rest of us can exist. And, yeah. You know, so, totally. But yeah, I mean, I, you can't, you can't definitely get it a lot more now, especially in Vermont, but you know, I think that, you know, still people that come from out of state, you know, they'll, they can skip a lot of other breweries and just go to the alchemist and be super happy, which, you know, great. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, I feel like that's a good segue, you know, because I think to put the question to you, you know, what is, what does sort of success look like to you? Is it, you know, using just not necessarily the heady Topper example, but, you know, any sort of brewery that you've seen, you know, I think specific to the Vermont area, but like who's sort of done it right? You know, do you want to be the guy making like, you know, the best beer but with no distribution do you want to be the the name that people know do you want to sort of see how it goes what's
2: yeah you know i mean i think you just kind of want to see where it goes i think that you know trying to be like oh i want to be like them Mm -hmm. well they're they're already that. so you know you if you can't there's no like trying to copy somebody else and be like, well, you know, you're not near, ever going to be as successful as them because they, they've already done it. They already have a yep. following. So you have to kind of, you know, make your own way. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, what success for us is, you know, have, have people enjoy the beer and come to the brewery and be able to, you know, keep keep doing this for a while. But yeah. I think, per, you know, personal personal opinion, um, the days of these breweries going from local to regional to national, I mean, I think, I think that's done, you know, you'll never see another, another Sam Adams, another Dogfish Head, Green Flash, Sierra Nevada, though they got in at the right time, and, and now, I mean, I don't even, you know, trying to see even, like, large, larger, like, regional breweries, I think that the ones that are established will be great, but, no, I think people are gonna to try to gravitate more towards hyper local small stuff, like you know, talk to me in five years, but I don't ever really want to go out of Vermont. Um, you know, yeah. we're I'm pretty happy with you know where we are. And you know, there's a whole host of other issues that you can run into when going out of to, to, to different states. Cause yeah. yeah, it'd be great. You know, I can send a pallet of beer down to Boston. But if I don't have a sales guy down there to make sure that it's in the stores, to make sure that I don't have out-of-date beers in the stores, that I don't have, you know, warm beers on the shelves. Because, you know, somebody, you know, Max goes into the beer store in Boston, grabs a weird window beer that's sitting on the shelf and drinks it. And it's, he's like, oh, it tastes awful. And it's, it was canned eight months ago ago mm-hmm. and it's been warm for four months right. max is never going to come to the brewery max is going to tell matt hey i had this weird like you're going to vermont well don't go to a weird window because this beer it was awful yeah right
1: you
2: know so so you know unless unless you can do it right and a lot of people have been able to kind of do it right and like you know expand small and do it that way and have a bunch of different sales guys but you know, that's like i said talk to me in five years and it's like yeah you know i want to be all over the place but you know i think for right now yeah. you know it's just really trying to concentrate on putting out the best product that i can and if that's only in vermont then that's only in vermont and go from there
0: yeah well you, you kind of touched on it too and i feel like you're you're tapping into something um that a lot of people are seeking which is that like hyper local thing like people are kind of done with like the um the big names that everyone sees like I feel like people are walking into the store looking for something that they haven't tried before. Um, so kind of, kind of a, a, a cool approach and something that I think is going to work. <laughs> Personal opinion. Yeah. yeah, I feel like yeah but... If I'm the only guy buying the beer,
2: maybe. <laughs> right. We, we talked about it, we, we we like
1: actually, it. Oh no, sorry. Like,
2: I was going to say the other thing it's like now with like breweries popping up all over the place. If, you know, if say we were in New Hampshire or something and they see a Vermont beer on the shelf, but, oh, you know, my sister's friend's husband owns this brewery and my son-in-law, you know, works at this brewery. Like, they're not going to take my beer. They're going to take the beer that they know where like, they're Mm -hmm. like their neighbor works there or their friend works there or something. They're going to gravitate more towards that beer. And then my beer is going to sit on the shelf so you know with with all of these breweries popping up like like you said you know, trying to stay hyper local and like you know create a following where you are and if people from out of state you know find the beer great but you know then take it home with them i guess but you know it's <laughs> like i said talk, talk to me in five years and we'll see if my opinions change yeah, Sure, sure <laughs> yeah I was, I
1: was gonna say we've talked about you know something similar on the show about you know Not that everything's been done, but, you know, there's all these different types of beer and and most people are into beers have drank some variation of all those different types. But, you know, there's this idea that to speak to your hyper local piece that, you know, fresh beer is the best beer, right? So it's like when you're in a tap room and someone's like, hey, this is like right off, you know, this is a new batch, you know, you got to try it. Max was up uh, visiting family and brought back some beers from from another local brewery and they were like a month old or something like that and they were just you know they were just so good they were just you could yeah. tell they just come off it was a new little recipe like there's a lot to be said for that versus just all right this is another you know IPA that someone told me that was good and you know it's being canned out of state or right. something like that
2: yeah yeah so you know is what it is but. Do you, very cool do you have a favorite that that you guys brew you love them all uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i mean I, I can tell you something wrong with every single beer i put out maybe not something wrong but some, something i would change something i'd make better of course. but uh you know i mean it, it's hard you know i i've been drinking a lot of our uh, of our american lager recently um i've been drinking like right now i'm drinking one of our citra we named the dog citra which is named named after our dog whose name is citra who's named after the hop so i guess it's like an inception thing there but, <laughs> so yeah you know I, I i do i do like them all and i you know it's i wouldn't put something out that i didn't want to drink so i guess it's good that i can't pick pick a favorite um but yeah you know i mean they're i like them all and yeah
1: sorry, this is probably a brewer 101 question, but like the complexity of beers, does it course, like, I don't know, is, are, are different beers harder to brew than others? And are they the ones you think would be harder to brew? Or is it actually harder to make something that seems relatively more straightforward?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so it's, it, it depends, like, so it depends on how, on how you're brewing and what you're brewing. Like, mm-hmm there's certain, there are certain beers that can be harder to brew if you're doing, you know, a decoction mash, which is where you take, taking some of the grain out and boiling and putting it back in or step mashes, or you're doing like a long boil, or you're doing, doing some other process that, you know, can be difficult. Um, But, you know, the beers, beers aren't necessarily that complicated. I mean, you have a recipe, you put water and grain and hops and you make beer and yeast and there you go but you know and i think that the the hardest beer to brew in my opinion is like as just a clean lager
0: hmm.
2: you know a, a german style pilsner uh you know something that you know has it has an appropriate amount of hops where it's not it's not like an ipa where you know all you're getting is like that floral but you can taste where you can taste the hops, you can taste the malt, you can taste the yeast and all of those flavors blend together and create this, the flavor that it's supposed to be. Cause you can hide, you can hide a lot of flavors, you know, by if you have something wrong, you know, dump a bunch of hops into it and, you know, it'll, it'll taste like hops, yeah. but so trying, try, trying to brew a, trying to have a beer that's, I mean, a simple beer, you know, Pilsners are easy. Mm-hmm. in one sense because it's pilsner malt and there you go but making sure that there's like no off flavors and that that kind of hits all of the different ways that in how you want to taste a pilsner is very technically difficult in my opinion
0: interesting that yeah totally not not something i've ever like even considered but sweet awesome (laughs) so cool like like it's yeah it's like science but beer which is sick (laughs) right
2: no it it is it's it is it is very much like science and I was awful at science in school and I wish I would have paid a lot more attention because I would have had to read so many books and learned it all later in life but here we go. (laughs) part of the brewery
1: exam is dissecting a frog and then you got to go dump a bunch of hops in somewhere
2: (laughs) right yeah I mean if, if in high school, if they would have told me, you know, you pay attention to like chemistry and you can make alcohol, then I probably would have paid a little more attention.
1: Coming, coming from someone who did their uh, freshman year science project on hydroponics, uh, I was growing beans, but uh, I hear you. <laughs>
2: yeah, there you go.
1: Do you, um and this is maybe more like a sales kind of question, but, you know, with the tap room, um, do you see different beers selling? dependent on time of year weather you know stuff like that like are you you know selling summer beers in the summer and and you know stouts yeah, in the winter I mean, or
2: yes so yeah. i mean you know we're in vermont and you know people and well not only vermont all over you know people like IPAs, so yep. you know, ipa sell yep. pretty pretty well year-round um mm-hmm. then you know as it gets colder you know in the fall we'll do a couple german style beers like we have a double bach and a, and a fest beer like a later October fest that we do in the fall. And then we have some stouts in the winter. And then as we get kind of into spring, you know, I'll do like a, a wheat beer and stuff like that. And then one of the, uh, one of, one of our most popular beers. And I think it's because it's, it's so unique is, uh, it's, uh, we call it Cersei's wildfire. It is a, it's a jalapeno cream ale. Huh? Which cool. sounds, sounds, sounds really weird. And it sounds like nothing you would ever drink. And I understand that. um and but you know it's with without a doubt the the beer that people come in and they're like oh that's weird can I just try a little sip and so we get and they're like oh man that's good because you you can taste the jalapeno but it's not super super spicy and it just tastes it tastes like a fresh jalapeno and we brew that you know through from about may to november and you know when when we have it people love it and it's an incredible food beer And so it's, and it's super unique because, you know, not a whole lot of other people have, have a beer like that. Everybody has an IPA. You drink, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know, you drink eight different IPAs in a day. They're all going to start tasting similar, but, you know, having, having something unique like that has has worked for for us. And like I said, I understand it. It sounds like a really weird (laughs) beer and it is, it is weird, but you know, it's been, it's been pretty popular and people, people really enjoy it, which is cool. How, how do you a, stumble into that like? one? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's clear, or it's like it's like clear and like yellow. It kind of looks like a like a. You ever had Jenny cream ale? Yeah. yeah, There you go. That's a cream ale.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I would
2: have put a jalapeno in in a in a screamer and think it tastes about the same, but uh, the color will be there.
1: <laughs> you got to can it in like the same logo, and then <laughs> right, yeah, the classic. It's
2: a, yeah, but then we'll then I'll then I will get a C and D from yeah. <laughs> right, right.
0: Was that a uh, was that a recipe that was a result of
2: the uh, homebrew days
0: or or where did that come from?
2: Yep, H- homebrew. So that uh, that came from when I was living in Utah. I was at a I went to a brewery out there. I forget which one it was, and they had they had a jalapeno cream ale, and I thought this is awesome because you know it was they had a it was like a brew pub and they had like got a burger and fries and it just it paired so well with the with the food mm-hmm. and i was homebrewing i was like i want to try to make this so i've probably been brewing that beer since 2013 2014 oh no way and been, been through a bunch of different revisions before we kind of got got to hear where where we are um sure but yeah so that that is that is one from from the homebrew days
0: and do, do you can that one or no yes we will cool 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 all right well that's one that's the on, added to the list
2: all right, there you go and well if if everything goes if everything goes well we will have it we will be brewing it and canning it in may i believe wonderful awesome can't wait to so, be up in may <laughs> <this> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, well, Jack, this has been great, Matt. I don't know if you have any more questions, but. No, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. This is
2: great. Oh, no, absolutely. Thank you guys.
0: Yeah. um, Jack, do you want to give a quick uh, shout out to your social medias, um, where people can reach you, um, website, whatever?
2: Yep. Uh, so social media, Facebook, Instagram, Weird Window Brewing. Um, website is weirdwindowbrewing.com. Keeping it simple, yeah. I like
1: it. it wasn't taken, no. huh? <laughs>
2: no, it wasn't taken.
0: <laughs>
2: so pretty easy. Uh, yeah.
0: So pretty easy to track you down with if you keep it
2: like that. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and but if if you Google "Weird Window Vermont," I think we're still under pictures of the Weird Window houses. But I, we're working our way up those Google those Google results so slowly go. but surely.
0: Yeah, and um,
2: exactly.
0: What's the address for your tap room?
2: Uh, it's 82 Ethan Allen Drive, uh, South Burlington, Vermont. We're kind of right down behind the airport. Um, for any of your Vermont listeners, if you know where Pizza Pot used to be, Pizza Pot's gone. Yes, pizza Pizza Pot is gone.
0: Man, that is quite the heartbreak. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man, so, so, sorry to sorry to end this on a bad note. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: that's all right. That's all right. Well, I, head towards Pizza Pot. To find weird window but
1: Yeah, we're, we're kind of that
2: that <laughs> drown funny your sorrows behind. over a
1: jalapeno cream ale.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, we're the we're the kind of funny intersection right down by Pizza Pot. Um gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, well so thank you next so much year, again. Next time you guys are up in Vermont, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do, absolutely.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
2: If we Thanks. don't talk
1: to you beforehand, good luck with the uh new edition. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations, yeah, congratulations
2: again. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank
0: you very much. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much Jack. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Green Mountain Boys podcast. If you haven't noticed already, we've switched to a bi-week- bi-weekly schedule. Um and we'll continue to do so for the time being, but we hope to go back to weekly in the near future.